I'd like to welcome you to Emran's podcast, episode number 159. This is the host, Suman Sawal. Today we have a guest, uh, Steve Nijar from uh, Central Florida. One of the things trigger uh, when I saw Steve's post uh, at the uh, Ultra and Trail running group, uh, he was talking about winning the Lake Martin, which is, of course, is automatically <laughs> just like here I found my winner because I didn't know who won the Lake Martin 100. And uh, and he said he's 56 a year old and he, he ran sub 20. So those are all three great quality, especially being in the, running the Lake Martin. And as many times I have run that loop, that course, I, I know how hard it is to get to sub 20 on that course. I think there's very few people have gone sub 20 on that course. So Steve, here you are. Welcome to Emron's podcast. Well, thank you. Very, very happy to be here. And I appreciate you asking me to come on. Definitely. Uh, you know, Lake Martin is true to my heart, you know. I call myself Ghost of Lake Martin because I die every year. I, I go there almost almost every year. This year, the Ghost of Lake Martin is still dead out there. We, I will have to go find him some somewhere there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I saw you out there on my at least on my fourth loop when I was delirious. So I, I probably recognize you in the dark and your ghost apparition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you may have passed me. You were asking me which loop I was, and there was this guy going fast. So it's great to have you here. Before we uh, go too deep on the conversation about your Lake Martin uh, training and uh, coming to run that run the Lake Martin, let's talk about your running uh, running journey and how do you end up uh, where you are running hundred miler. Looks like you run a lot of hundred milers and ultra distance races. I think you started two thousand twelve. Let's talk about a little bit about that. Sure. Well, I actually started out doing triathlon. This takes me back to 1995. I, I used to be a couch potato. My wife was actually the one that was um, the one that worked out. She'd go to the gym and I'd sit at home and eat potato chips and watch TV. And I saw the Iron Man on TV and couldn't believe what these people were doing. So I, I, I told myself I had to do something. I got off the couch, bought a bike and started training for triathlons. And I found I was pretty decent at it, except that my talent at running was was lacking and so i was competitive in the swim i was competitive on the bike um but when it came to the run i'd always go too slow and i, I and my goal was to qualify for the world championships in hawaii uh, for the ironman and um and just couldn't get there so uh in 2012 i decided that i was going to focus on running to improve my run split uh, for the ironman i'd never run a marathon by itself i'd only done one in the ironman and instead of signing up for a marathon, I signed up for a 50-miler. Why not go total immersion, right? Sure. So I signed up for the 50-miler. I trained hard for it, all with the goal of improving my run split for the, for the Ironman. I went and did it, and it was a trail race. I, I went and did it, and lo and behold, I actually won the race, and I set a course record. <laughs> so that shocked me, and I found that I actually had a, a pretty good talent for running if I, uh, you know, if I put the effort in. And I really enjoyed running the trail. And I figured at that point I was in such good shape from training for that race that I set the goal of running a minimum of a marathon a month for that year. So I ran, if it was either a marathon or a 50 miler or uh, an Ironman, um, all of those qualified in my mind. And, and for the, actually it went on for quite a long time for the next 24 months. I did 25 races, so I did two two races in one month, but I, I I raced once a month, at a minimum distance of a marathon. All of that led to a keen interest in wanting to do the Leadville the Leadville Ultra, uh, the race across the sky. I had done the Leadville Marathon, and after experiencing that and seeing the belt buckles, 
in the local shops there, I said, I want one of those. And so I signed up for the Leadville 100 mile race for 2013. And that was my first 100 mile race. And since then, I've been looking for races all over uh, the country. I've actually raced outside the country, raced in Malaysia once, just looking for good courses, tough courses, nice places to see, people to meet, and just really, really enjoy being out on the trail. Definitely. Uh, thanks for coming to Lake Morton. Um, that's a beautiful place to run. You are from Central Florida. Um, I know how the lands and flat land it is, and I know there's a very few places you can go find, a, um, you know, trail the hills and you know the, the technical trail uh, the demand of like a Lake Morton. How do you train and for those? You know, I mean, you talked about Ladville, some of the difficult courses. Uh, I see you running a lot of at West Coast uh, races, and those are really tough races. So talk to us about how do you train for, for those kind of... I know we have friends from Pensacola area, you know, some, you know, our panhandle friends and a lot of Florida friends that come uh, run 100 here. So let's talk about that first. Yeah, well, it's, it's never easy going from sea level to altitude. The thing about training in Florida is that, you know, we, we've got pretty extreme heat and high humidity here. And so you hope that that kind of simulates the thin air of high altitude. It's great training. I think if you can train in Florida in the middle of the summertime, you can race anywhere. It does take something to, to acclimate though to the high altitude. Uh, but I think the heat training and the humidity um, really gets you in shape for, for, for racing anywhere. We don't, where I live, I, there, there are some trails here. I'm fortunate because there is one trail in particular that's very technical. It's a seven-mile loop. It's called Black Bear Wilderness Area, and I love to go out there. Uh, there's a, a lot of wildlife out there. I've routinely run into wild hogs, otters, seen black bear out there, so and lots of gators, of course, because we're in Florida. So it causes you to have to run fast sometimes. <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's a great trail. It's a lot of fun, very technical, and that Training at Black Bear actually really helped my racing at um, at Lake Martin because Lake Martin's got a lot of twists, a lot of turns, a lot of rocks, a lot of roots, and I was used to training on that kind of uh, terrain at Black Bear. I don't get the constant rollers and hills that, that Lake Martin throws at you, and I think that that's what helps add to the difficulty of that course is that there's just constant rolling up and down up and down and it grinds on you and it, and it wears out your legs that's part of what makes that course so tough and for me going into that race i had the goal of of uh going sub 20 i trained hard and i felt really good and i was i was i was trained for it but i'll tell you after the first loop i wasn't sure because i was thinking to myself i've got to do three more of these loops of the constant grind uh, of these rollers and it's not going to be easy particularly the first 8.3 mile section to the first aid session and the last 6.6 mile section those two sections were tough uh, particularly the third and the fourth loops that was tough those were tough sections definitely lake martin course uh that's uh, a lot of time I have friends who underestimate the difficulty at the Lake Martin because, you know, we have a constant roller like what you're talking about. You know, your first uh, 25 miles, is, it feels easy, but if you go too fast, you can end up crashing too early. So tell us about what was your the first split? Oh, boy, I think my first split was right around four hours, maybe maybe just a hair over four hours. 
which I thought, okay, you know, I'm, I'm on, on average, I'm, uh, I'm ahead of schedule uh, for breaking 20, but I knew that that was going to slow down significantly as the day wore on. Um, so I was glad to have banked some time, but I knew that I couldn't keep that pace up. I, I had to ease back uh, in order to conserve so that I could reach my goal of, of breaking 20. Definitely. And it's a tough to break 20. Like I, was, I mentioned earlier, I know Carl Metzger, he broke 20 there. I don't remember who else, so I need to check the record from several years. So, so definitely. Well, I don't, I don't want to make any mistake. I am nowhere <laughs> near Carl's um, ability. Uh, and I think he went 16 something because I mean he's he's just incredible. Yeah, he's, I think he's he, yeah. he holds the record for most 100 mile wins. Um, <laughs> he does. Guys and him, yeah, he's, but he's he's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I was just I, I was I was really happy to get there. In fact, um, coming into the finish, uh, there were there were two guys that were finishing their third loop, and I asked them what time it was because my watch had died. And they said, well, it's about 2:15. By that point, I was my my brain wasn't working, and I said, oh shoot. I guess I, I, I can't break 20 hours. And they were like, well, yeah, you've got 15 more minutes and the finish is right up ahead. So, and I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Because we started at 6.30 in the morning. So I, I had 15 minutes to to get to the finish and I, and I got there and I was just overjoyed to have broken 20. It's a, it's a fun to trying to get to your challenge. It's fun always. Uh, you talk about being an Ironman athlete, uh, coming to ultra running. How did it help or how it's helping you to continue do you train? I'm assuming you still train for Ironman and then running the ultra. How does it help you to be an ultra runner like what you are right now? Doing Ironman gave me a great base. And, and the nice thing about Ironman is that you get all the cross training in. So you're not necessarily just wearing out your body in one area. And all of the cross training is great for the cardio and the strength. But candidly, I haven't done an Ironman since I started running ultras. Uh, my last Ironman, I think, was 2012, maybe, or 2013. So I haven't done an Ironman since then. I've just really been focused on the running. And, and it's because I love the challenge of ultra running. Ironman is hard, don't get me wrong. But with the Ironman, you know, the end is in sight after, for me, you know, 10 to 12 hours. In a 100-miler, many times I'm only halfway towards my goal and there's a great deal more of suffering ahead and I know it's coming. Plus you got to make it through the night. Uh, and that's always tough. So I just, I just really love not only the challenge, but I also love the fact that you can do Xterra and get out on the trails, but it's never going to be like a, a race, um, a hundred mile or out in some remote area that not many people get to see the beauty of. And that's part of the reason and the allure of ultra running for me is just getting out and being able to see some sites that most people don't ever get a chance to see uh, because these, these courses take you to some remote areas that are just incredible. Yeah, just like Lake Martin, so definitely. Lake Martin's great. I love the course. <laughs> I love the course. That's interesting. I'm not sure I love the fourth loop, but I but <laughs> – <laughs> But it's part of it, so you got to do it. You got to do it. Definitely. I mean, we, we have many, many ultra races here in our area now, 100 miles, and, you know, Blood Rock will take your heart out. But Pinhoti is uh, always great, great in one of our classic race here in Alabama. Uh, takes you from point to point, you know, it's, and it's point to point. It's, you know, how challenging it is, and it has its own challenge. So, so definitely, it'll be interesting, um, uh, you know, t- to see how you well you do doing a triathlon event now if you go back and do it uh, because 
Uh, running ultra has slowed down. Uh, I used to be road runner through and through. Um, I've slowed down a lot. I mean, being, getting old hasn't helped me. At the same time, being ultra runner hasn't, <laughs> hasn't helped me to be faster on the road. So it'll be interesting how you'll perform on a triathlon event. So I wonder how, how well I do. I mean, when I was before I hit the trails and I was just running roads and I was doing marathons, I mean, I was a three-hour marathoner right there. And I think if I were to sign up for a marathon and, and go out and do it right now, I think three hours would kill me, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, marathons are tough because you're redlining for, for three straight hours. You know, you're, you are redlining. But with the ultras, I mean, it's you've really got to be calculated in terms of what you need to keep in the tank in order to make it through to get to the final destination in the time frame that you're shooting for. And there's a lot of mental and physical strategy involved, as you well know. Let's talk about uh, your nutrition uh, during this uh, journey through Lake Martin or any other 100 you do, ultra event you do. What kind of nutrition do you put you through during this time? Well, I'm probably the worst person to ask that question to because I eat whatever I want. And my pre-race meal, every race is a pepperoni and sausage pizza. Uh, and I eat as much of that <laughs> as possible the night before the race. And then the day of the race, I typically put Ensure in my bags, uh, which I did this time. I had one Ensure prior to the race, the morning of. But what I found recently that works well for me is Red Bull. Um, so mm-hmm. I was drinking Red Bulls during the day at the aid stations. I was eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, bacon, had the ramen noodles. I'll eat what my stomach has been able to take over the years. And I stay away from those things that I know my stomach can't take. But what works for me uh, also are, are, are quesadillas, you know, and grilled cheese sandwiches. All of those things work really well for me. If it's really hot, I'll take Enduralites for salt replacement. And then in my bottles will contain typically Coca-Cola uh, most of the day and most of the night with a little bit of water to help uh, get rid of the carbonation to make it easier to drink and, and digest. I don't typically take water in because it's got zero calories, no sugar, nothing like that. Mm. Um, so, And I'll have some tailwind also uh, here and there in order to keep my salt levels up. But generally, it's 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 those kinds of food and um, something that tastes good, something I know I can eat. Uh, and then in the bottles, like I said, Coca-Cola or Mountain Dew. That's pretty much it. Definitely. This time, actually, I, I put Coca-Cola. Uh, I, was, I really had some of those things I dialed in pretty well for me. Ben Hody, race director, uh, Todd Henderson, he, he, he showed me how to, you know, use Coca-Cola, and he really believes in Coca-Cola being a super endurance drink for, you know, salt and caffeine and, and, and everything else it has. So, so definitely I, I did, did, did use Coca-Cola from very early, and um, putting water, that's, uh, that's something for, new for me in the future. I think I'm going to continue to try that, so definitely. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, I love watching the Tour de France, and I've been watching it for many, many years, and watching those uh, cyclists actually is what turned me on to Coca-Cola because a lot of those guys will be drinking Coke along the way during their stages. When I saw them drinking Coca-Cola, I was like, well, I'm, if these guys do it, maybe I should try that, and it's always worked for me. So so definitely, those of you listening, um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about that a little in a future podcast or short stories. Of, but basically, those Coke, uh, Coca-Cola, and it's a flat Coke. Uh, you, you have to flatten out as much as possible. If not, your bottle will yep. burst. So yep, that's just, true. Just, just all over you. <laughs> just, just be careful. Once I fill the bottle as I'm walking, I'm kind of shaking that 
get all the carbon out as much as possible. So the running through here at, uh, at Lake Martin or any other courses uh, through the nights, uh, let's talk about that, uh, the challenges of nights. Uh, this year, I had a problem with my feet, a plantar-like issue. I talked about that several times. Everybody have heard me talk about enough. Uh, basically, once the night fall and, and my stomach start turning and uh, so I, yeah, I was like, okay, I know what's coming next. And, you know, remember, I, I, I think you told me about it. You saw my video for my fifth try. So <laughs> I knew that. That was inspirational. <laughs> I don't know about that, but my family really didn't like the whole thing. But, but definitely going that going through uh you know i got to a point saying i I'm, I'm about to have all kind of struggle you know i had to stop but uh let's talk about lake martin running at night uh how do you prepare for those and uh do you run a lot of night runs or running at night is a big part i mean even you talked about finishing sub 20 still had to run through a lot of dark so let's talk about that yeah well as you well know running running you know into the nighttime hours gets very challenging and after you've been running all day and into the early evening, your body feels the change in temperature. So one of the things that I always have to be prepared for going into the night is making sure that I can stay warm because I, I do get cold pretty easily and you start to shiver and you start not feeling good. It will slow you down. So in my drop bags going into the nighttime, I'll usually have you know arm warmers that I can throw on, sometimes a long sleeve shirt, uh, and depending upon what the weather forecast is, uh, either a waterproof jacket or at least a very, very lightweight windproof jacket, and then some gloves and even some pants. And I'll, I'll tell you, for this, for, for Lake Martin, um, after the sun went down, it started getting chilly, particularly after midnight. You know, every time you'd stop at an aid station, if you stuck around too long, you would really feel the chill. Mm-hmm. And getting going again is always difficult. So I tried not to stay at the aid stations too long, just filled my bottles and, and, and grabbed a bite to eat and kept going because I did not want to get too cold and start shivering and then try to figure out a way to warm back up again. So fortunately for me, you know, the nighttime didn't last that long. As I said, I was able to finish before 2.30, but I've been out there in other races all night long. And I did Fat Dog, which is uh, in, the, in British Columbia. That's a 122-mile race with about 30,000 feet of gain an equal amount of loss and that's a tough race going through the night going through the day and then starting another night it's brutal and plus you know not only from a physiological standpoint but from from an equipment standpoint got to have the headlamps ready to go you got to have the spare batteries you know it's it's a lot to consider a lot lot to think about fortunately for lake martin there's two aid stations so you can plan accordingly at both aid stations depending upon how your race is going to have the equipment, you know, in each drop bag at each aid station. That made, logistically, that made this race a great race uh, in case, you know, I was going slower than I thought or in case I was going faster than I thought. I could be prepared, you know, with the drop bags and my nighttime uh, gear at both aid stations, which I had. You know, I brought multiple headlamps. I, I had a shirt and arm warmers and different drop bags. I had a jacket in one. And I knew that if I needed pants, I could make it to the next aid station in time to throw the pants on without getting too cold. So logistically, Lake Martin, it's a great course in terms of logistics, in terms of crew, spectator. It's a tough course because, as I said, it grinds on you. So it's really got everything. And and, and it's one of those courses, as I just said, that's great for crews, great for pacing, great for, for spectating. And there's not a lot of courses like that. 
Uh, but this is one of them, whether it's in the morning, during the day, early evening or at night. And people were there at night coming in you know, to the finish. There were a lot of people there because people are camping right there at the finish line. And it was great to have people there cheering you on as you were coming into the finish. So uh, it just made the nighttime a lot easier for me. Definitely. And David creates, uh, tried to create, and our trail running friends, they try to create great environment uh, for all the runners, you know, coming through. You know, they, they, they do. I, I, and I'll say this. I, 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 before I forget, I, I want to make sure that I mention, you know, David and, and, and uh, Mary Jo. Uh, they're just terrific people. I, I was able to spend some time with them uh, after the race, shortly after I finished. But then I went back, cleaned up, got a little rest and came back to the finish line to see some other people finish. And I spent some time with them. Uh, they're just so conscientious about wanting to make the experience great for the runners and doing everything they can to make it great for the runners. The volunteers are spectacular. Uh, they do everything they can to make you as comfortable as possible, to help you as much as they possibly can. From a race director standpoint, from a volunteer standpoint, you know, I, I've, I've got a place, Lake Martin is, is one of those top races. Uh, where they really cater to you and take care of you as much as they possibly can. I want to thank David and Mary Jo and all the volunteers. They did a great job. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for coming and running here. You know, it's sometimes people come to Lake Martin thinking that it's going to be flat course and running and, you know, they don't realize how tough it, it is. Um, that's why our percent of fitness is really less. And, and talking about David and Mary Jo, you know, they would have let me uh, continue from wherever I dropped off, mile 55, and my legs would have supported me. <laughs> yeah. my, my heart was there to finish my seventh one, but... You'll be back, and you know you'll be back. Oh, yeah. You'll get it. Yeah, the ghost will, will come alive again. So. <laughs> <laughs> and out to everybody. That's, that's right. <laughs> so one question uh, before we move away from Lake Martin. Uh, did you get to try the bourbon and whiskey? And uh, I wish I would have just gone to the A station, quit at the A station. Probably I would have been sitting there drinking, getting drunk. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say I saw it there, but I did not partake. <laughs> Usually I do. Uh, I had a plan my last lab. I was going to get drunk uh, to finish <laughs> the next 13 miles, but that didn't happen. But yeah, you yeah. definitely, I, sometimes it, I start it, early. Actually, you know, on, in retrospect, it might, might have been worth the self-medication to go ahead and have done that. <laughs> <laughs> we encourage those. So let's move away from Lake Martin. You know, you, you described about your age. Um, over the years, you have getting faster and faster. I mean, you you said that you used to be sub three marathoner, but still coming in trail and you know, running this distance and terrains and all the effort you, that you put put in. And do you think you're breaking your bodies now? You know, with with age, or are you getting stronger? How do you feel? Coming into the race or any races you going forward or as you age, I'm I'm 50 plus now and you know I have have slowed down a whole lot and gained some weights and you know, so so I just wanted to kind of listen listen to you and talk about that. Yeah, well, I really enjoy training, so I haven't really slowed down when it comes to training, and maybe that's helped to keep me strong. Uh, and I'm fortunate that I don't have joint issues. I get my I get the soft you know, tissue issues like everybody else does who runs as much as we do. But unfortunately, I've got a very good physical therapist that helps take care of me and keep me in shape. But I guess over the years, the most important thing that I've learned is how to run smarter, which translates into sometimes running faster. My theory, people used to make fun of me, and I understand why now, used to be go hard all the time, every time. But you just can't do that. A lot of times, slower, longer runs uh, are better runs. And I've learned how to reduce my pace, lower my heart rate, 
and go for longer periods of time. And that's helped serve me well because, you know, you're on your feet for a long, long period of time. And if you can try to simulate as much as possible, being on your feet for longer periods of time, I think I think that that helps. At least it does for me. From a physical standpoint, I try to put the time in and the miles into train. But I've also tried to pace myself a little bit more and keep more in reserves for later in the race. And that's worked out well for me. I think my, my results are, have been pretty decent. And then from a mental standpoint, which, as you know, is just as important as a physical standpoint, what I've learned is that as much pain in it as I'm in at the time, so is everybody else. Everybody else is suffering. And if there's something that I'm feeling that I know is not going to create irreparable harm to my body, then it'll be time to push past that and, and break through that barrier and break through that wall because that too shall pass. And I try to tell that to myself, those two shall pass and just keep going, keep a positive attitude. And so I think, you know, as I, as I race more and more and I get older and older and the recovery, by the way, gets longer and longer, there's nothing <laughs> you can do about that. And I, I I'm sure I, I am slowing down. You just got to learn how to race smarter. Uh, that's what I've been trying to do. Definitely. Um, for me, physically, I mean, the last few years has been really, you know, after a certain hours uh, of doing certain things, I mean, I get so tired. Probably nap is what I usually looking forward. For. But definitely, uh, I think I like your idea about training. When you train, do you train hard? Uh, what, what do you mean by training hard? Um, so, so do you go faster pace? Uh, on your training, like a race pace, or is there certain things you do? Let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, when I go hard, it, it, for me, that translates to uh, speed. You know, whether it's a 10-mile run, a 15-mile run, um, I'm going to want to push the pace a little bit. If I'm if I'm doing, my, you know, a morning 12-miler, uh, early morning 12-miler, sometimes I get up at 5 a.m. and I'll go run in the dark, and I want to run hard, I, I'm going to try to push a 7.15 pace for the mm. you know, 7.15 uh, pace for, for, for 12 miles. Now I can do that in the wintertime in Florida. I can't do that in the summertime in Florida with mm. heat and humidity. But that's what I mean when, when I'm talking about going hard. And, and the way I used to train was I thought that I needed to do that every time I went out for a run. And I needed to at least match, if not beat, my prior training run. But that just, it's unsustainable. And I learned that. And you're, you're more prone to injury as well. And there are times where it's better to back off, go longer and go slower and feel better and recover faster so you could put in longer runs or faster runs in the future. People say, you know, what's your hardest workout? I like to say my next one, but that may be a fast one. It may be a slow, long one. It depends. It depends. I, I listen to my body a lot more today than I used to. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. As we get older, we definitely need to learn to yeah. listen if not body will tell you for sure let's talk about a little bit about your cross training you talk about riding um, bicycle do you still do that uh, as your cross training or what are other things you do as a cross training strength training any anything you do to prepare for you the hilly courses and uh, coming from central florida uh, let's talk about that i don't ride much anymore i'm a little bit um timid to ride on the roads these days with uh you know, drivers and cell phones mm. and things like that, people not paying attention. But 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 we do have a, a Peloton, and I do do the Peloton, uh, which is great because it's a no impact, you know, can be a high-intensity or, or hard, arduous workout. And it helps me measure my watts and my power and my output and things like that, which is great. 
So I do Peloton workouts. I also do strength training in terms of um, push-ups, you know, dips, things like that. Uh, I do weights. So I try to cross-train with the weights and also use body weight for resistance purposes because I think strength training is really important. I've got a tire in the backyard. I flip the tire, and that helps with the squats. You know, I try to do a combination of running along with the strength and the Peloton to mix things up and and and, uh, and give my body a break uh, and work different areas and different muscles because you know when you're when you're out there doing 50k, 50 miles, 100k, 100 miles or more, it's a full body workout. Uh, you know how your body feels at the end of a race. Every part of it's pretty wrecked. You know, you need your upper body strength for climbing a lot of times. Um, you need your lower body strength for descending a lot of times. Um, so you got to work, you got to work the entire body. You know, of course, like Lake Martin, I'll tell you, I'm thankful that I do a lot of core workout too, based on the way the, the trails I run. And that course requires, you know, solid core because of all the twists and turns and ups and downs. <laughs> um, you know, it really tests you. So those are the different things that I do in addition to running uh, to try to stay in shape for, you know, for training and racing. Definitely. Talk about training and racing. Um, so what is your schedule like? Uh, you know, we have gone through a year of, uh, you know, going ups and downs of pandemic. And we, David did have a lot of trail races, small trail race here. Uh, you know, I hardly ran any big races. So uh, what's your schedule like going forward for you? You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to make up for a little bit of lost time because last year was a bit of a bust, as you all know. Um, last year, I did a 24-hour race just before COVID hit. And that went really well, and, and and I was feeling good and had plans to do several races over the summer, but they, they all got canceled. My first race back was a race in August in Utah. I think it was called Skyline 55K, and I was just so happy to be back outside on the trail racing with other people, and I know they were too. And I was able to get a couple more races in at the end of last year. And then, you know, things um, as races got on the calendar for 2021 – uh, and race directors were able to deal with the COVID restrictions and put their races on and started, started signing up for races, but also found that a lot of the races were filling up pretty quickly. So hmm. this year I, I did a, um, a seven-hour timed race uh, on New Year's Day. I did a 100K in Texas uh, earlier uh, in January, did a 100K in Arkansas, did, did Love It, the Love It Trail 100K a couple of weeks just before Lake Martin, then did the 100 mile in Lake Martin. Um, I'm scheduled to do an endurance hunter uh, in Blue Ridge Mountains, Georgia, uh, in two weeks. Uh, I've signed up for the Cocodona 250, May 3rd through May 8th. Thinking about deferring that, honestly, to 2022, because I do have some foot issues right now I'm dealing with, plantar issues and also Achilles issues. And the last thing I want to do is go into a 250 not 100% ready. Uh, so I'm considering deferring that to 2022. And then the rest of the year is a bit wide open right now. I don't really have anything on the schedule, but I'm going to be looking for races to sign up for. I try in the past, I've tried to do three to four hundreds mm. um, a year uh, with fifties uh, uh, sprinkled in as training runs for the, for the hundreds. Um, so I'll be, you know, looking for a couple more hundreds uh, later this year to do and, 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 50s and 100Ks um, mixed in with those. 
Definitely. Maybe you can come to Blood Rock and see our course. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, like I said, I talked to David about that. He asked me to come down and do that. And I've, I've read about that. I know that that's a beast of a course. Yep. A lot of elevation gain. And, and that sounds like a good one. I think that's what in December, maybe. Yeah, first week. Now we, we have moved back and forth. I think now we settle in uh, December. I should put yeah. some videos, but I don't run 100 there. So so I haven't put in much of video. I, I know that I have a little video there, but it's a right in the back of my backyard, almost not close right there, there. But <laughs> yeah, you should be there doing it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll put that one on the calendar and I'll, I'll try yeah. to get down for that and hopefully I'll see you there. Yeah. Oh, no, no, not hopefully you will see me here for sure. Absolutely. So. <laughs> That's great. But, but which distance I'll run, oh, who knows? I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll do like show up before the race, like oh yeah, let me just do going hundred. Sign up for the fifty and end up doing the hundred. That's yeah. been known to happen. <laughs> when I was young and crazy, but yeah, this year I finished like fifteen hours. It took me to do fifty, and it's like then David and Mary just like go down, go back. Yeah, you still you have still have plenty of times. Like uh, I was thinking for a few minutes, then it's like nah, I should have done that. But but definitely, um, yeah, I, I will be out there training sometime. Rentos a hill. So, so talking about you traveling uh, to this um, ultra events, uh, have you done uh, those ultra, ultra, super ultra? I don't know how, how to call those events. So, two hundred fifty miles. I don't even know how you do those kind of. Have you ever? Have you done those? I, I never have. Cocodona is the first one I've signed up for. Mm. The, the longest race I've done. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, is Fat Dog uh, mm. in British Columbia. That race is 122 miles, um, and and the reason why I did that was because I read about that race in Outside Magazine. Like a lot of your listeners and a lot of other trail runners, you know, every every year you sign up for Hard Rock, trying to get into Hard Rock, and I have never gotten into Hard Rock. But the article in Outside Magazine said that Fat Dog was the Canadian equivalent to Hard Rock, and so I was able to sign up for it. That's why I did it, and that was a tough race. It took me 44 hours, I think, to finish that one. But that's the longest race I've done was 122 in Canada. Uh, and just, you know, have been thinking about uh, another challenge. And so uh, that's why I signed up for Cocodona. Talking about that, uh, when you travel, you know, I, I do marathons around the world, but uh, ultra distance, most of them are state of Alabama. So talk about uh, how do you manage, uh, you know, going ultra and running, traveling and, and so on. And I know that we haven't traveled a whole lot in the last 12 months at least. Uh, let's talk about that. How do you manage those travelings? Yeah, well, let's face it. Most of these races are not in destination locations. <laughs> a lot of them are. A lot of them are well off the beaten path, and so logistically, you know, finding the right airport to fly into so that the drive isn't too arduous or too long. Not necessarily for the sake of driving to the race for the start, but driving back, back. from the race after the finish. Um, because I, I, you know, races generally start on, on Saturday and you finish on Sunday and I usually am on a plane on Sunday flying home so I can be at work on Monday. It makes for travel not great a lot of the times because you're shuffling through airports and if the, the flights are late, you're trying to get to your connecting <laughs> gate, unable to really move as as fluid as you'd like to. So certainly the, tr- the travel is, is not easy either. Mm. <laughs> It can be just as difficult as the race sometimes. But, you know, I try to find, like I said, you know, races that look like they're going to be great races in, in neat locations. Um, but sometimes it's cost prohibitive. I mean, there are some races that just are expensive to get to and and it doesn't make sense to do it. And maybe sometime in the future, if, if there's deals, I'll, I'll get to them. But if you can find a, 
you know, a great race in a location that's got a decent hub that's served by major airlines. You can usually find a pretty good rate. Then you got the rental car and the cost of the hotel. And, and you know, from a hotel standpoint, it doesn't need to be luxurious because usually you're spending one night in there because the next night you're on the trail and, and I only need it for the next day to really shower and just veg and try to get some sleep until I've got to go home. So um, those are kind of the things I, <laughs> I look for when I'm traveling to a race. Definitely. So talk about that. I think you don't travel with a pacer or a crew or anything like that, do you? Not general. I mean, most of the time, most of the races I go solo and unsupported. I mean, let's face it, I'm married and I've got four kids, but it's not a spectator sport. But like I said, you know, Lake Martin is an exception, uh, you know, because you're coming through four times. You're hitting the aid station multiple times. So your crew and, and family definitely has a good chance of seeing you throughout the day and throughout the evening. So that's that's one of the great reasons why that's such a good course to do from a spectator friendly standpoint. But by and large, you know, these races are are not spectator friendly and, and I typically go solo and unsupported. Definitely. Yeah. Even the time I spent in the in the aid station, my wife's like, uh, you leaving this here too early. It's like, no, I'm here too long here already. I need to get out. <laughs> <laughs> so still like, you know, for them they don't see you for hours and hours. They see you for two That's minutes right. and then still or five minutes is still not enough. So to those of you who want to bring your friends and family, they have to keep <laughs> moving around either. The best way to bring your friends and family is make them pace you at night. So and that, that's the best use of their time. That's right. <laughs> but definitely, that's interesting because uh, yeah, I've been wanting to think about doing some ultra distance. I, I talk about this a lot, but I don't travel far enough to do ultra because the reason is the logistic. You know, major you know major cities and you know coming out and you know I know how it, how it feels so. I have crew and pace of friends who have done a hundred in Texas and so on, but uh, it's, it was difficult because I was the main guy driving them and pacing them and so on. So, so you definitely need it. I definitely need somebody to go with. So for those kind of, so hopefully as the as the COVID situation changes and we can travel more and yeah. uh, see more. So, so talk about that. Uh, so. So do you, uh, after race, uh, what do you do? Um, do you drink, sit around? I don't know. You know, some, you know, I have some, you know ultra runners are known to drink beer uh, forever. So I don't know if you drink or not, but, you know, people, you know, eat yeah, as I'll, junk as possible. So I'll, I'll have a beer or two. Um, but uh, it, it really depends on, you know, how I'm feeling after the race. Generally, you know, after a race, I, I like to go back to the hotel take a bath, take a shower and lie down. I, I, I hardly ever get a decent night's sleep the first night. My body's just still moving or my toes hurt and the sheets feel heavy on my feet <laughs> or something's throbbing and it's aching and you just can't get comfortable. So generally the first night's not a great night of sleep. And and what I try to do after a race is, is um, I try to go back out to the, to the start finish because as much as I know I've suffered, I know that there's people out there all night long and into the next day, you know, suffering. It's just nice to be there to cheer them on, you know, as they go out for a loop or watch them finish and see the joy and the elation on their face when they finish. And I, I just love to be part of that um, aspect of the race. Um, so generally after a race, I'll, I'll go back, clean up, try to get some rest, come back out maybe have a beer, have something to eat, and cheer everybody on. That's, that's kind of what I like to do. Definitely. It's always fun to cheer on others. I did come back 
at Lake Martin after spending a night, and I was barely walking and I ended up taking a picture the rest of the day. I don't know. Did you find your photo, by the way? I did. I did. Thank you. I, did. See, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> if you find a photo in Emron's, that means you actually ran the race. So officially ran the race. The race. <laughs> I was there. So being in events, uh, you know, different events, uh, what do you like about, uh, you know, you talked about many things about ultra running um, uh, versus Iron, Ironman. Um, so let's talk just focusing on ultra events. Uh, what do you like about being ultra? Looks like you kind of got, you know, started as a, you know, 50 miler and kind of got stuck there. Now you enjoy a lot. Uh, let's talk about what do you like being an ultra runner? Um, you know, well, let me answer the question first. What do I like about ultra running? And what I what I love first and foremost about ultra running is the community. Mm-hmm. Um, the people are, are great. And it never ceases to amaze me when you're out racing and running, just the camaraderie that exists uh, in this really tight-knit, close community um, of people who, who also enjoy this. And I just really enjoy meeting the people. You know, inevitably, you're going to stub your toe and go down, and there's always someone right there to help you up and make sure you're doing okay, or if you're not feeling good, you're not feeling it that day, and you're sitting down, Someone will stop and offer you something to drink or if you need anything, if you need a goo, even some words of encouragement. So first and foremost, that's what I love about ultra running. Um, And I I didn't find that to be the case as much uh, in triathlon. Uh, But in ultra running, it's certainly the case. And and I love that about it. What do I like about being an ultra runner? Being able to eat whatever I want to (laughs) eat whenever I want to eat it. I, I, I love being able to challenge myself, love being out on the trail and love just seeing you know god's creation out there that i would never otherwise see unless i did this sport it's an amazing world it's an amazing planet and being able to see the things that that we get to see when we race particularly if you just pick your head up every now and then and stop to smell the roses during a race and just take it all in it's well worth it and that's what i love about ultra running and being an ultra runner Definitely. Uh, that's something I, I love about ultra running too. Sometimes, you know, a guy would be running next to me, you know, in any event, you'll try to knock him out. But but here, it's, it's like, you know, <laughs> here's like, I'm actually giving advice and tell him what to, how to navigate through this. Even if I'm not going to make it, you go this way. And then I, have, I did that this time. Um, so it's amazing how uh, how we help each other. You know, in our lows yeah. and in our highs. I mean, no, no, nobody, nobody wants to see, you know, another person out there um, DNF. And so, you know, they, they know when you're hurting, you know when they're hurting. And just the words of encouragement to keep them going, keep them moving to reach their goal, whatever that goal might be, is important. Because we all know what goes in to training so that we can race. Um, you know, the what I like to say is that the will to train is greater than the will to win. Everybody's got the will to win, but you got to have the will to train in order to to be able to even give yourself a chance to win. And 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 the the time uh, and the, of the training and the suffering that goes into training is what leads you to be able to put your foot on the start line. And when you see everybody else out there with you doing that, trying to get to the finish, and you see them suffering, you want to do everything you can to try to encourage them to to reach their goal because you know what they've been through to get there. Definitely. One one of the thing I'll add that to you, just to courage to line up, you know, courage to sign up for the race and courage to line up I mean, in between training, what you talk about, but just having that courage, you know, sometimes people just like, eh. 
you know, just, just don't have that courage, you know. As many races you have run, tell us about some of your most memorable moment and the difficult thing you have done. We just want some story here, so. Okay, well, let's see. Well, certainly I can tell you this because it's the freshest thing in my mind. One memorable moment certainly was crossing the finish line in Lake Martin and just the joy of knowing I broke 28 hours, which I'd never done before, and knowing that I won the race, uh, which I've won races before. I've never won a 100-miler before. I've got second, mm. I've gotten third, I've gotten fourth. Um, that really felt great. Uh, so so that 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 is a memory that's certainly fresh in my mind. But I guess another memory I know of, uh, you know, I, I, my first 100-miler was Leadville. I figured I'd, you know, go big or go home, right? So I signed up for Leadville, and I had a whole crew of friends out there with me. Um, my sister was with me. Her her fiancé was, was there as well. I didn't know what to expect. I just wanted to finish that race. I, I think my finishing time, it, it's a 30-hour cutoff, and my finish I finished in like 29, 28, something like that. So I, wow. barely, you know, I had half an hour to go before I – uh, before the cutoff. And I remember, you know, at night trying to get there uh, to the next day station before the cutoff and having my friends with me who were pacing me at the time, encouraging me uh, and feeling like I was almost sleepwalking. So going from that experience of, of, of wanting to just finish um, and then everything in between from that point to Lake Martin, getting stronger, getting more confident, setting, you know, time goals sometimes failing, sometimes succeeding. Um, but the failures are what help you get stronger as well. All of that culminating into achieving the goal that I achieved at, uh, you know, that I wanted to achieve at Lake Martin, um, just is, is just so satisfying and looking forward to conquering whatever my next goal might be going forward. Definitely. Such a great story. As I was, uh, passing through Lake Martin and, and I thought about the whole event as um, it takes a village to get a runner through a finish line. Um, that's what that's one of my new line, and it, it definitely takes uh, and it, it's a tribe and um, you know, a group of friends to go along with you day and night, train with you. How's your experience there in Central Florida? You know, friends, family supporting you. Let's talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, while you race solo, there's a there's a big team that you need to have behind you in order to succeed at this. And it begins with, you know, your family and friends um, that have got to be understanding of the time commitments that are associated with the training, but also supportive of you um, and your goals and what you want to achieve. And I'm, I'm thankful that I've got that both with family uh, and I've got um, some great friends uh, who encourage me, um, some great running partners uh, that I run with on a regular basis um, that help challenge me, to help keep me motivated, uh, to help keep me um, training smart. Uh, and hopefully I do the same for them. So I think your statement that, yeah, it does take a village is absolutely true for anybody who is or wants to get into ultra running. It's, it's while it's, while it may be viewed as a solo event, it's, you, you gotta have the support system behind you uh, in order to be successful definitely uh, you have villas and a tribe that's a great uh, uh steve uh coming here and like more running i don't think so we officially met uh, when you came here maybe next time when you're here in town we'll 
drink some beer or something. So it's celebrate. That sounds like a good, I like, I like that. Plan. I like that as part of the training program. That sounds perfect. <laughs> and if you decide to come here and train, just let me know. Uh, Oak Mountain, we have, yeah. we have great uh, trails. So, so definitely um, and before we um, close this interview, I just wanted you to give words of advice to listeners, you know, uh, people like us, uh, 50 plus, and, uh, you know, some of us, uh, <laughs> time to retire, you know, like I've been told about that already several times. So like, uh, you know, it's time to retire from running, maybe distance running. Here you are in, you know, breaking records and, uh, you know, getting your PRs and running 100 miles and thinking about going further and give words of advice to all those runners, um, not only who's trying to, you know, 50 plus, but every runner, every A's. Um, give us a word of advice. Yeah, I, I think the best words of advice I can give is that um, if you stop enjoying it, then it's it's time to stop running because you really got to enjoy it uh, if you want to continue on. It's such a difficult sport, and, and and you go through so much pain and suffering, but also it's rewarding. In my view, the benefits far outweigh the burdens and the suffering that takes place. And the suffering and the burdens make you stronger. And as long as you're enjoying it, you're going to want to continue to do that. You're going to push past that pain. You're going to push past that suffering. And so do it as long as you can, as long as you continue to enjoy it. And if you stop enjoying it, it's time to think about moving on and finding something else that you do enjoy. Definitely. Sounds like great words of advice, uh, Steve. Thanks for your time and uh, congratulations for your win here at the Lake Martin 100. And looking forward to seeing you here in the Blood Rock or some other trails uh, around the country. Thanks for joining the Emirates Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed the, I enjoyed the discussion. Thank you.